Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. What's going on, y'all? It is me, Tamarcus Ragland, and today I'm excited to be back in the studio with my co-host, Adam Hawkins. What's going on, bro? Hey, guys. 2024. New year, new year. <laughs> or maybe the same. And we have another friend here with us. <laughs> Can you tell we're excited about the new year? Our dear friend, fellow pastor and brother, student minister extraordinaire, lover of all things beautiful, especially good coffee. Praise God. Our one and only Corey Butler. Corey. Hello. Would you introduce yourself to the people? Man, you just did a really good job. I'm not sure I can take much more from you. Oh, there's more in the tape. Man, husband to Meredith. Come on. Dad to three awesome kids. Like you said, student minister here for the last five plus years now. Been walking, walking in student ministry for the better part of 27, 28 years now. Yo, for those of you who don't know, you know, we got archives on our website. Corey preached <laughs> an amazing sermon this past Sunday, but it was it was incredible. It was funny, but it just it spoke to your faithfulness. Uh, when you started youth when you started doing youth ministry, mm-hmm. our now lead teaching pastor was nine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the thought like it, I giggled and then I was like, man, like what an honor that we get to serve alongside a brother who's been so faithful in Thanks, ministry man. for such a long time. Thanks, man. And so so glad to have you here on the show. Yeah, man, it's good to be here. And speaking of a long tenure in ministry, today we get to talk about a topic that is very important for anybody who wants to maintain such a thing, or really in any uh, form or shape in life, and that is resisting burnout. Mm-hmm. There is a way maybe that we can think the way that I get to do the thing for a long time is I have to run hard and never stop and, you know, grind my way to the top continuously and neglect rest and care for self and those around. And actually that can be. And so I just want to start by let's kind of just propose the problem, address the problem, and then we'll just kind of work our way to to tease it out. (sighs) Wow. Someone. Oh, I just wanted to take a deep breath. Because I think part of avoiding burnout is taking a deep breath and just mm. being, you know what I'm saying? That'll, that'll do. Teaching by example. <laughs> that's that's why we got Adam here. <laughs> uh, we, we read this quote before we got started. I want to read it for our listeners because it. I think it just puts a finger right on maybe some of the difficulty around why burnout is such a phenomenon in our, our culture and our mm-hmm. environment. This comes from a book called The Uncontrollability of the World. And the author says this, he says, the driving cultural force of that form of life we call modern is the idea, the hope, and desire that we can make the world controllable. And then he goes on to say, my hypothesis is this, because we, as late modern human beings, aim to make the world controllable at every level, individual, cultural, institutional, and structural, we invariably encounter the world as a point of aggression. Mm. or as a series of a points of aggression. In other words, as a series of objects that we have to know, attain, conquer, master, or exploit. Mm. Just curious, y'all, y'all's thoughts on that assessment. Do y'all feel that as you look around our culture today? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, now in my, in my late 40s, I think that the way that I, I see that is 
growing up in the home that I did, mm-hmm. I felt that the way the way that we would talk about that was good work ethic. Mm. And we would always use that as the umbrella that all those things were allowed to dwell under, mm. right? So we could just pop that umbrella up and live under that. Like if you're working hard, these are just things, these are the natural byproducts of it. And so it was not, not I wouldn't use the words excused, but accepted. Mm-hmm. And even something we were driven towards as a family, like me and my brother, both achievers and doers and guys that got stuff done like mm-hmm. that loved and worshiped efficiency i see that now and i don't i don't disagree with it but i i see that from before that yeah what led me into that and i, I don't disagree with the quote i i think it's there but i'm thinking about what that makes me think about before yeah this modern movement of where we are that's where i landed and, and then i find myself living in that place now mm-hmm. to where there's an acceptability to the pace mm it's it's a strange thing, isn't it, to talk about burnout right now? It, here's why. I'm drawn to that kind of analysis by virtue ethics. And what I mean is there seems to be this middle path, this mean, this actual virtue that has a vice on either side. And you might look at today's world from a cultural – where culture matters, we're looking at the intersection of faith and culture – and there's burnout everywhere, especially within the church. There's also this huge analysis that we are the least productive we've mm-hmm. ever been, or mm-hmm. at least since we've started measuring it, mm-hmm. right? So you have the work from home movement, which anyone who has <laughs> common sense knows you're less productive at home. You just are. You're not. From like. We will never be able to compete with your phone and Netflix. Work will never be able to compete with that. And so what I know most people mean when they say work from home is let me turn Netflix on in the background and then answer emails. And video games, that culture, is that productive? Doom scrolling, all the things we know. And so there's, I think, why am I talking about this? Because I think there are some people who might look and say, burnout, what are you talking about? This is the most relaxed generation that's Hmm. ever existed. No one's working since the pandemic, et cetera, right? And so what is that? There's a vice on either side. One is this idea that work is going to save and deliver you. The reaction to that, I think, has been to watch the older generation grind and still be have nothing and so i'm not going to hustle anymore or i'm going to do it a different way and that way mm-hmm. is going to be you know i think somebody said it before on this podcast it's like the old generation used to work to rest and this generation rest to rest and i think <laughs> i think that's really i think it's kind of funny but i actually think it's tragic and i also don't think it's true we all work with young people and we know they're working just as hard they just have different vices right so why am i saying all this i think it's all comes from the same place that you just talked about this need to control mm-hmm. this need to whether it's be comfortable or have more or whatever, it's all coming from a place of trying to satiate something inside mm. of us. Yeah. And for those who fall off on one side, they're going to work until they burn out. For those who fall, fall on the other side, you're going to burn out because sitting in front of a screen all day isn't real rest. Mm-hmm. And so I think this conversation is dual-sided. You can't talk about burnout without talking about what real rest and real work looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know yeah. I t- took us down a, yeah. a trail, but yeah. No, I well, think it's, it's good to note because one of the things he points out in the book of just like the differences of where people are, he's like, it's not just the person who's like, doesn't know how to shut it off and stays at the office all day. Mm-mm. He was like, it's also the person who's like, never gets enough from the high of that next vacation. And right. it's like, I got to see more of the world. I got to travel faster. I got to do more. I got to reach the heights. And it's like, there is just this insatiable 
need to to hustle. Yeah. Rather, it's like you say, hustling the rest, hustling the work. This idea that on the other side of me gaining, attaining, exploiting this other thing that then I will, then I will be, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the thing yeah. is. And so often we know that that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it, it feels like, I think the statement that I've caught myself saying a lot is, if I can just. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I can just, and, and insert whatever that might be, mm-hmm. e- even as I find myself growing older in, in, in the culture that you just read about, like, if I can just. And so, and that's something I experience internally. And then it's something that I see in all the people around me externally. Mm-hmm. And there's this push. It's like, if we could just, then, then, then it'll happen. That is, it's the mirage. You know, I was going to bring this up a little later, but I think it's good. Andrew Root is a, a a writer who we've talked about before, a theologian, who I think, in my opinion, he's he's the most important social commentator in, in terms of the church and faith in the last five years or so. He wrote an article for Comet Magazine called The Temptation of the Church, and it is so brilliant. But just this one little piece he talks about, he talks about the fact that we're in, there's a sense of decline now. And so in our in our need to kind of grasp and regain control, to control the decline, we've gone towards acceleration, which is leading to all sorts of sociological pathologies. But let, let's just just listen to this. He says, acceleration is a disease that promises victory over the crisis of decline, but ends in spiritual disaster. Mm. And he says, the good future, in quotations, is a mirage. Once you get there, there's always another future to chase. You never get to rest. There's never enough, only more. You'll have to keep running until you're totally out of energy and burned out. And I think that mirage that you just talked about, once I arrive, once I get, then then it'll be okay, then it'll be okay. And that's that's the enemy. The, the, the reality is hmm. to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul saying, I can be, you know, I, I in all things, I'm contented, you know? And it's like, that's what we need to learn. We don't need to learn how to get that next thing so that we'll be okay. We have to learn how do I be okay now despite my circumstances. Yeah. And chasing that next thing, we I, I can tell you now as a 40-year-old man, which some will think is old and some will think is young, you never arrive. You never arrive. There's always the next thing to chase. And it it will lean, lead to burnout. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I mentioned I mentioned the culture of growing up and the way that I grew up in, in this work ethic generation. And, mm-hmm. I, and I agree with you. I don't think that there's a lack of work ethic. I think it's changing mm-hmm. everywhere you, you look from the from the the studies in the EU in 2022 around going to the four day work week, right. which improved morale, it improved productivity. Sure. So there's 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 an approach towards healthiness and work ethic in the busy and in the slowdown. But I but I think what I have felt that is unique is now it is the drift, the modern drift. This is the the cultural movement is to, it's not even just that like, I don't want to work or I don't want to be busy. I think that there's a cultural drift to like constancy. Like the mm-hmm. busyness is constancy now, right? Like, I don't know how we can even talk about this without there being some form of the conversation going digital in our mm-hmm. phones. And I, I mentioned in the sermon, that you talked about, like when you have, when you have infinity riding shotgun in your pocket, Mm. like you are fully accessible and have full access to everyone else too. Like, so you're tapping into desires there that like are are really desires that are meant to usurp God, right. To become 
omniscient and omnipresent and all these places. So I don't even think it's just that we always had necessarily something to do, but the drift of modern culture is like, I'm always accessible and how always have access accessibility to others. So if, if that's the case, like the drift where I find myself is not necessarily like battling my work ethic that I was raised in. The drift is that I would always be available. Hmm. And that makes me tired. Mm -hmm. Always on, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted if I'm always on, right? Because I've taken the mentality of with my phone and I've made it my life. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, if you just use phone as one example, it's like the question to ask is why? So like, why do you want to always be on? And I think a lot of times it's not intentional, but you drift there. So it's just a new tool that you have that pulls you in. So like the phone, for example, it's like a lot of us weren't like, you know what? I always want to be reached. Most people would say, no, I need a day off. But then they have this thing where they are reached. And then it's like the pressure to check your email is just there. You know, it just you just sort of slide into it. Mm -hmm. And I think just to say, so, okay, we're always available. We're always wanting more. Are the antidote right now culturally to what feels like decline is to be more productive, be everywhere at once, all these kind of things. But how did we get there? Why mm. are we doing that? And I don't, I, the question is, and what I'm trying to say now is, I don't know that it's always a conscious effort. I think mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. what society provides, like a phone, those kind of things, can have us drift there. So I think having a positive vision, we're not there yet, but I'm saying I think the antidote's gonna be having a positive vision for what work, for what a human is, mm. and then moving from that, for what rest is, and then moving from there. Mm. Because again, I don't think this age of productivity and productivity tools is going anywhere. For example, if you just look at AI, I think there's a sense in which people are are probably like when any new tool comes along thinking, oh, wow, it's going to lead to, it's everything's going to get so much easier, right? And, and I've even s said this, I think certain things will, but we'll replace that with something, some other thing, right? Yeah. Yes. It'll write our papers for us, but now we'll write 30 papers in a week rather than one in college or something. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, we'll just replace it with something yeah. else. It's that promise that happened in the 50s with like, you know, we're, it's going to be the Jetsons and we're all going to like... Mm everyone's just going to get to stay at home and the robots will do the work for us. And it's like, that never ends up happening. No. What, you know, as, as we talked about with previous guests, it's like, no, what ends up happening is we, because technology doesn't deliver, we figure out how to make ourselves robots, mm -hmm. right? And so I think if the hope for you in burnout is the next tool, the next thing, the next, it's not going to be there. Yeah. You, know? you, you brought up something a second ago, I think is worth us maybe taking a moment to help put a pin on for people to be able to consciously think about how we're in, engaging with culture and just our surroundings. But like, what are what are some of the cultural pressures or some of the cultural phenomenon that exploit, right? Because this, people know that this is a thing, right? Like I've, I've heard people say that like, we, we live in a, like a, a attention, attention economy. And so yeah. there's, there's money on the line if we can keep you on your phone and scrolling for hours and hours and that, right? And so it's like even even just that like that would be one to name. What are what are maybe some other things that as as people are listening and they're like I feel this tension like you're right. I do like feel this tug to be on and like I would like a break but I keep feeling pulled. It's like what are what are some of the cultural mechanisms that are perpetuating 
that that constancy. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I think some social pressures. One, we've you mentioned Corey, and we're, we're talking about more now, but the phone is certainly one. Technology in general. Yeah, I think the disappearing middle class. Mm. I think this is something that we don't talk about as much, but this generation, I think it's millennials and down, I can't remember, but is the first one that will, that they're saying is going to make less than their parents, right? So hmm. there's a, there's not a lack of jobs, we know that, but there's a lack of quality jobs and there's a lack in, and there is a lack in what those jobs can get you. So, you know, whatever, 50 years ago as a teacher, you could buy a house and all that. It's like impossible now on a teacher's salary, right? So this idea that the middle class is, is disappearing, I think, is a social pressure for young people to either go, go to either vice. It's like, well, I've got to work harder. I have to have more because the more work I do now gets me less. And that's just factually true. You can go look up all the statistics on that. The more you have now, actually, you can acquire less in terms of like necessary or wealth building type of goods. You you can get more in terms of trinkets, right? Sure. But le less in terms of like a home and those kind of things. On, on the other side, what that can cause people to do is check out, which leads to just as much burnout, exactly. you know, because the checking out actually, like take a small example of this. It's like anybody who per is a procrastinator, knows that like you if you're a procrastinator you work doubly hard <laughs> because <laughs> you yep. end up cramming at the last second and all the things and and none of the time before that felt restful at all so i'm saying you know again you can fall off either side of this vice but i do think i think the social pressure of like inflation and mm. which is one economic factor but the disappearing middle class tied with technology is is mm -hmm. causing us to just work ourselves to death yeah mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. I, I i have two quick answers i would say number one backing up to you know the the introduction we've already mentioned this in, in brief but like the introduction of of work from home mm -hmm. that COVID introduced what what that did was it took there, there became all of a sudden a very blurred line between where is my place of rest my mm -hmm. home right where i'm supposed to go in and this is the place where i know that's longer really good Corey. do yeah right it's com the line is gone. Yeah, it's blurred. It is so confused, <laughs> and I like I, I keep going back to this. But as the old guy in the room, I'm like, I, those those two plus years, I was like, this is so weird. Yeah, I almost didn't even know how to do it. Yeah, I was like, I was felt like I was like tapping with one finger on keys trying to get YouTube live to work. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm so confused. And then now everybody's pushing back to being in a physical workspace because we saw the detriment of, of morale and all the problems that came with it. So I would say one of the problematic things that's perpetuating it now is where place matters. Yeah. Like, so where point. do I work and where do I rest? Mm -hmm. I used to chill at coffee shops. Now I'm posting up in there now and I see a guy that's a graphic designer. I see someone who's building a website. You know, then you got the the typicals like me that are trying to have a, a meeting with somebody, you know, that are that's what a coffee shop used to be, or reading a paper or a book. So that that's my first answer to that. I think if I were looking at that, can we pause there? Please. I that is such uh Corey, I haven't heard that before. And just that is so that is such a big deal. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm even thinking of the analog. You know, people who have, who struggle with insomnia. Like the first thing they tell you is like, when you go to bed, make bed all about sleep. So, don't work in bed. Don't watch TV in bed. Don't read. In bed. Why? Because place matters. And you're you, what you've done is you've sort of trained your brain that and trained yourself to like not go to sleep. Yes, I'm gonna. My place of sleep is no longer a place of sleep. So yes. blow that analog up is what you're just saying. It's like it used to be that home was a place where you did family or whatever, right? Yes. And, and, and yes, I'm sure people work for That's been a problem. But I'm saying this this societal has collapse has collapsed those boundaries. Yeah. Now home is school and school is home. Now, you know, they even talk about from a technological perspective with kids. So let's stay on this. It's like, it used to be that you had this pause from the social pressures of conformity and bullying and all that in a school setting. So you'd go to school, you're there a long time, but then you got to come home and be away from it. And now they're saying the detriment of social media is that it never stops. And so if you Mm -hmm. have, I have friends who have kids who don't allow their kids to have phones and it's like, they can't, they literally are social outcasts because what, all this, the stuff that used to pause, you know, between four and and whenever they go to bed and then wake up and go to school, it continues through the night because they're all on their phones texting nonstop. Mm. So it's like a world can happen in between that time. So Mm -hmm. again, what technology has done has collapsed, even if you just think of email on a phone, it's like work used to be at work, you know, now it's, to your point earlier, it's every, all the boundaries are collapsed. You're always accessible. You're always on, but there also is no place of separation. The boundary markers have been erased. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 My, (laughs) I had so many thoughts of what you just said. That was really good. I connected it. My other thought on what perpetuates this is connected to that one, that the loss of boundary is, is the gain of possibility. Mm. You can do anything anywhere. Yep. Like literally. Like I I the the running joke in our home group is let's just all move to the country. Because the guys that do things digitally in our home group can just post up under Wi-Fi and do it there. Mm-hmm. Right. So whereas the country used to be the place we would escape. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of going back to the the pot like the loss of place now. Right. And so the possibility also is now. Like not only can I do anything anywhere, I now have thought and experience of the possibility of like doing all kinds of things. Like my 13 year old thinks that being an influencer or a professional gamer, those those are real professions that exist now where people are- It's like a viable option. This is a viable option. Like the thought of that to me, I remember the first time I saw like eSports on ESPN Mm -hmm. and I was actually kind of angry. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I saw it and I was like, mainly because they call it a sport. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mad. But we have a mutual friend who's oh, yeah. a professional gamer Facts. and he's very good at it. Scholarship college. Right. It's a, it's a real thing. And my son literally this week asked me, asked me for a gaming desk and chair with multiple monitors in his room. So he could and stream. So he could, so he could stream. He's 13. Mm-hmm. I never taught him this because the, the, not the argument, but the statement that we had was, Hey, mom and dad have been married for close to 18 years now. We've never had a television in our room because we're afraid that what that, what that distraction would bring in and the, the theft of the ability to go into one space that is not meant for anything digital. So we can rest and just be together. Mm. And when I explained that to him, he said, but what's the problem? 
So for him, the possibility of that means so much, right? And it's so crazy. The, it's so crazy. I go, who of your friends has this? He goes, none of them. Mm-hmm. But it's a possibility. But it's yep. And here's here's what's crazy. I'm glad you brought that up because I know we talk about the phone and social media. I think that that influencer thing and the the streaming the the presence there is one that's not an anomaly anymore. I no. got multiple friends who like that is that is their living. Rather, it's from being a fitness trainer that sure. does social media or they just do things around the house or they just are like documenting their life, like whatever it is, like multiple people I know is like what they do for a living is, but it's like now all of life has become work in a sense. Din- a normal dinner is work. And I think part of it is important as we're talking through all of these things. It's like we're trying to recognize and identify maybe you're occupying some of these spaces and you're feeling this pressure and maybe like we you know you just get caught up in it and you don't really recognize what's happening it's like <laughs> we're not trying to say like hi see you're working terrible look at you it's like <laughs> it's like hey just maybe if we stop and look back and see like okay what is where where am i maintaining boundaries where am i creating spaces where i'm able to to turn and like part of being able to do that is you have to recognize and see where am I, where am I always on, and why am I? Right, mm-hmm. we have to be able to answer that question in order to, in order to adjust. Well, I I think part of all of what we're saying is being connected to everything. Yes, and having no boundaries actually disconnects you from yourself. Oh, yes, let's get out. And of so it. it's oh. like before this, I remember the big th- critique was all the like p- the artists and stuff who were turning themselves into brands. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm not. Like, I I remember when all these artists and stuff on MTV, they were saying, like, I don't make any, you can't make money from music. And there was, like, this breakdown about why you couldn't make money from music because you have to pay for the video and the album and all this. So the thing was, I what I need to do is turn myself into a brand so I have a clothing line and a perfume and shoes hmm. and, you know, a sponsorship with a car. And so it's, I'm not, you know so-and-so the artist i'm so-and-so the brand Mm -hmm. and what that what that means though is now you don't have a self so if anything happens your brand crumble etc right okay Mm -hmm. so the same thing i think it's different it's different but it's it's similar to like when dinner becomes the you know i'm gonna eat dinner there's like family influencers and stuff and I'm, i'm not trying to judge anybody but it's like now your your home life your thing you eating dinner is now commodified that's mm-hmm. what you make money off of, yeah. you know? You being healthy is commodified. You, whatever. And I think when you do that, like, let, and, and then I think connect it. When you do that, you don't have a protected self. You don't have a space that's mm. cordoned off that's for you to rest. I think, I think the other thing, just one more thing to touch on in terms of the rise of tech capitalism is the disappearance of the social aspect of work, which does act as a release valve. And so whether it what whether it is, you know, work from home culture or that came from the pandemic or not, so many of these tech jobs, right, mean there's no more water cooler talk. There's no more hmm. You're so alienated. Like, you know, if you all show up to the play, I'm not saying this solves all the problems, but if you're all showing up, it's like, oh, we're in this together. I know Corey. Corey knows me. He has seen a picture of my kids. He da-da-da-da-da. I know what his handshake feels like, whatever. And I know that on the way to this thing or that meeting, and we're talking about the game, whatever. That, when you get rid of all of that, which 
are all these little release valves and also does provide more of a sense of meaning and purpose, right? What they've found, what they've done all these studies, like what they found is like you get sick to Marcus, but because we've been around each other and we've done all that other things, I'll cover for you. Mm-hmm. So what they've actually found, though, is one of the reasons produ- productivity has gone down is because nobody's willing to work with hmm. each other because they're alienated from hmm. each other. So it's like, yeah, I don't want to. I've seen Corey's face on a screen. That's all I've ever known. We don't have the water cooler talk. We get the two seconds on a Zoom call before it pumps up. And what I'm doing then is I'm on mute and I'm checking my email, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I don't. If something happens to Corey, you're a face on a screen that disappeared, not a human being. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of this social cohesion, glue, camaraderie. And I think that adds to burnout because Mm -hmm. you're alienated from your work and what you're doing and the people you're doing it with. And so I'm just, when we talk about the functions of modernity and if it's built for Mm -hmm. the type of societal flourishing that we're talking about here, my my answer is no, it's the enemy. Mm. Modernity is built for burnout. Mm. It's built for total commodification. Yeah. It's built for have more, do more, and experience less pain and uh, demand safety and, and all those things, which right. which at first sound good. I want to be more productive. I want to be safer. I want to have more time by myself. I'm an introvert, all those things. What we're finding is that none of that's actually mm. what all that's leading to is a type of depression, a burnout. Mm-hmm. It's not leading to flourishing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause there's a there's a way to get more that doesn't actually end up with you having more of what matters. Right. Which I want to say that to to turn our conversation. So maybe you're feeling that pressure and look at, okay, so what do I do? Like what's the What's the answer to how do I respond in a way that like gets me off of that rat race? Um, and I want I want to live it to you, Corey. And I'm going to mention something you said in in your sermon this past Sunday. You said that in order for us to say yes to the best things, that means that sometimes we have to say no to even good things. Mm-hmm. And I think in a world that's perpetually on and trying to seek more and more, like you just said. Is that okay? How do when we ask the question like okay? How do I how do I slow down? How do I, part of it is not just not just like you kind of have to rethink values around what's what's best and what's what's ultimately needed in order for you to do that. And I think a, a good place that that you brought us is to to look to the life of Jesus. Could you talk a little bit about yeah how yeah. we see that exemplified? I I think. You know, to I was thinking the word value when you said that a minute ago, and mm-hmm. I think what's what's happening and and what's what's behind all of this pursuit from an older generation to a current generation, the current that we find ourselves living in, is is ultimately identity. Mm-hmm. Like I am trying to find myself, and as Adam just so eloquently said, we're we're finding that all of these other pursuits whether it's in pace or productivity, whatever that looks like, like we're, we're finding ourselves unable to do so. You know, and it's the, it's the, the now cliched quote of like, well, if you, you know, if you haven't found it there, then you're looking in the wrong place, hmm. you know? And so Jesus, as we talked about this past weekend in Mark chapter one, takes us to the place of, of where we become ulti- ultimately most reminded of who we are and that changes the order of things that leads us out to do the things that we're called to do. 
right? So it's not that Jesus needed to be reminded of his identity, but as we sit in relationship with the Father, as we abide with him, we as finite creatures, as human beings made to image God, find the the sweet reminders that we need, right? We find who we really are. We find that in the in the truth that God speaks over us. That's a better word. Uh, and in that, I think there is antidote. I think in that there is, I think it's the stark and gentle reminder that you won't find it in those other places. It doesn't mean we won't try. It doesn't mean there won't be an effort to move towards other things as identity, but it's in that moment with the Father that he speaks a, a truer word than our productivity can possibly manage. Yeah, so I, I think in a busy culture, it is a very countercultural measure to slow down and spend um, a lingering time with the Father to remember who we are, because uh, it's starting there. Who are you? And no one gets to say who that is besides the one who made you and made you for himself. So all the other attempts are attempts to find out who you are in doing which the, the passage is beautiful. It, start, it says that Jesus starts off his day, which again, is descriptive, not prescriptive, because later in Mark, in Mark chapter six, it's at the end of a day. Mm. After a day of ministry productivity and peopling and all the things that he did, it says that he took the disciples who had yet had time to eat. And he said, come away with me for a while and rest. So it's at the beginning, it's at the end, it's throughout, but it's, but it's in those moments where we get to be still. Yeah. You know? No, that's so, that's so helpful. I think even as I even as I hear you articulate it again, it is a what kept coming to mind was we have to learn like I almost feel like it's like it's it's tucked into a discipline somewhere of like I've had it like having enough. There there's a piece of remember C.S. Lewis talked about it in, in one of his space trilogies. It's like this picture of the garden and like man in the garden partaking in this fruit and it's like the most delicious thing he's ever eaten. And he's like, in he was like in on earth, cause he's in another, he's in another planet. And he's like on earth, like I would have tried to like, just eat more and more and more and more until I was like overfilled with, and he's like, but something like, something within me was like, that's enough. Like, it's good, it's really good. And like, I've had enough of that. To like, to, in, to indulge more would turn a good thing sour. And I wonder if there is a, this insatiable desire for more in whatever it is. And I think maybe that's why sometimes it's hard to pinpoint it. Cause when you tuck mm-hmm. it under something like, well, it's work ethic. Well, I just want to like be a good friend. So like I do everything with all my friends at all times, everywhere, all the time. Right. And it's, <laughs> you tuck it under these good things and it's like, that's good. But there is a need sometimes to say, I've had enough of that. And now what I need to do, what I actually need, not just want or feel pressured to do, is to stop and acknowledge and have time with God. And that means that I have to turn other things off. And that's a that's a difficult thing for us to do. And but I feel like that is a that's the discipline, as you said, that we need to be able to access that mm-hmm. that space that mm-hmm. Jesus shows. That's really good. I love the term enoughness Hmm. as it relates to the good life and as it relates to life with Jesus. It's not simply that we've had enough, but is he enough? Hmm. And the, the idea that with him, 
life has hope and joy because he's enough. He's enough, exactly. And so what we're really talking about is something that I think if you come to Citizens, hopefully this language is familiar. It's a journey that we've tried to be on for a while. It's a part of our values, which is called whole person discipleship. It's about becoming whole people in Christ. And that's the idea. You are whole in Christ, so you don't need the next thing or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? You don't need the more there. Um, Walter Brueggemann has a book called Sabbath as Resistance that I think Mm -hmm. is really good because Mm -hmm. I want to be honest about what this is going to feel like because I think I don't want to sugarcoat it, but I also don't want to make it more than it is at the same time. But I do think what this is is a life of resistance because you will – it will be like a a swimming upstream or even trying to stand still in a fast-moving stream. Mm -hmm. What do we mean by those kind of things? Like to say – I'm not going to work today may cause you a promotion. Saying, sorry, babe, you can't have, we're not going to do phones. You know, when we come home, we put our phones away at five or whatever, right? Means your kids are going to miss out on something and they might be seen as weird. Um, Saying, I'm going to try to find um, time. I'm going to fight for time to have dinner together as a family when we're all present is going to suck because people are, you're going to have to herd cats, right? So all these little things, right? It's not like, like when Jesus says no to the clamoring crowds who are vying for real healing, they believe that Jesus is going to heal them. And he says no so he can be with the Father. There is a pain in that. There's a sacrifice. There is a resistance in that. And so I'm saying all of this to just say, and I'm not, by the way, I'm horrible at this. Can I, yeah, can we, I feel like that scene, can we just like bring that down? I think sometimes we imagine that scene as like, Jesus is like, disappeared and everyone's like, where'd he go? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's go home. Like you got like, to me, you always got to imagine he's in the house and everyone's knocking on the door and they're like, I thought you were the Messiah. Right. Then you, you said, no, they told me that you, like, what do you, you where'd he go? Like, no, go get, You raised my best friend's daughter from the dead and my daughter just died. If you don't do this, it's all going, like, that Mm -hmm. is the pressure. Right. It wasn't just like a calm. Right. And still. Right. He resists. Yeah. He resists and he does the better thing, like Corey was saying. So, yeah, I think it feels like you have decided to let the wave hit and wash over you. (laughs) But what's going to happen is you become more and more and more sturdy. Mm. And the waves that want to, the waves of life that I promise you are coming, whether you're working really busily or not, you will be able to withstand when they crash on your head. Um, because you're rooted in something better and you've, you're stronger, your legs are stronger, you're better swimmer, whatever, you, you know, mind the analogy for whatever it is. And so if the question is, well, like, why, you know, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, mm-hmm. yeah, Jesus did it because he got to be with the Father and it was a better thing. And that better thing was flourishing and enoughness mm-hmm. and being a whole person. And so the benefit is joy in the Lord. The benefit of stopping and spending time with him is that, when the circumstances of life come for you, 
in a in a negative way or in a good way, you're able to experience them more fully, the good things, and you're able to put them in their proper place and pers- with perspective mm-hmm. when it comes to the bad things. You're able to be in communion with God. That's mm-hmm. what you're able to do. And, and that makes life worth living. And it means that, do you fully avoid all the burnout and all the things? You know, no, you're still going to get tired and those kind of things. But I think... I think, yeah, ultimately you you become a sh- an anti-fragile whole person. Put put more bluntly, you become a Christian. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, and I've mentioned this before, and I'm, I've heard it on this podcast before, but you're operating from as opposed to for. Yeah. Hmm. Right? So you're operating from your identity, not for it, which is also what we do in our busyness. We're trying to find some That's sense good. of identity of like, when I do this, I become more of me. But Jesus changes the operating procedure in the passage in the scriptures. We see that as he operates as as the son of God, like even in the passage, right after we mentioned where he spends time alone in the desolate, quiet place, alone with the father, then Peter and the boys are looking for him. Everyone's looking for you. That leads him into the place of ministry. He moves to, so the saying yes to the best thing and giving it its primacy leads us to all the good things that God has for us, Ephesians 2.10 says, right? All the things that he's lined out for us, which yes, let us be productive people, right? My 77-year-old and 75-year-old mother who moved themselves to the middle of nowhere in Alaska to teach in a school in this season of life that they're in found a flourishing that they hadn't had before because they had lost productivity. So there is also a, a reality to the goodness of doing and, 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 and activity when operating from that place with the Father. So mm-hmm. there, there is a beauty and a goodness to it that we cannot forget because God did make us to be people that move, but we're acting so out of purpose that's rooted in identity. Part of what was coming to mind is like knowing, you know, Jesus Jesus doesn't doesn't leave and quit, right? Like he, yeah, right. <laughs> he he's like I'm I'm done with no he he leaves and he he rests so that he can continue, mm. right? Like if yeah. we're talking about how you avoid burnout is what he knows is while yes these people have needs it's the beauty of our savior becoming man and taking on flesh is recognizing like hey there is a there is a need to stop mm-hmm. i got to stop and drink water <laughs> i need to go to sleep i have to eat so that i can continue yeah um so that i can and that is in, as just as important as that physical need is, he exemplifies and shows us your spiritual need is that much greater. You need you need to stop and be able to spend time with the Father. And so, you know, as we as we've been able to think through kind of this this real feeling that all of us can feel, whether you're in ministry, whether you're working in corporate America, whether you're an influencer, whether you're a stay at home mom or dad, whatever, whatever the role, maybe you're a high school student who's just trying to get through. There is this reality that whatever form or place we find ourselves in life, there's this pressure to continuously be on, to do more, to achieve more, to gain more. And while some of that has a, a, a goodness and a virtue, there's a real shadow side to it that that oftentimes I think our culture isn't honest about that we have to recognize and our scripture puts before us. And what we get the opportunity and what we the grace that is offered to us in Jesus is you don't have to 
work and earn and gain and achieve identity the way the world has set before you. In me, you've been given those things. In me, you are able to access rest. And it actually is from this place of rest, is from this place of being given identity, is from this place of grace that you're then able to go about your life and engage in the world in such a way where you make him known and you're able to promote flourishing, but with a balance, right? That there's there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. There's a time to go. There's a time to stop. We see that exemplified in our Savior, and he 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 frees us if we if we let him. He frees us to to do the same. And so, Corey, thank you so much for joining us, for your your wisdom. And like I say, there's just you've the the encouraging part is not only can you speak on this so well from from the the knowledge and your your acquaintance with the scriptures but also you you've lived the life that has exemplified it by nature of you continuing up until to now and so i i just thank you for that life example as well and as always it's just such an honor to to be joined with with Adam and just all that you have to bring. We're 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 glad uh, that you guys were able to listen to this episode. Hopefully you're able to 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 hear of how the God is offering you a different way of being in the world and in doing so as we tackle this new year together. May we enter it differently with a different perspective so that we can flourish and not not burn out. Why don't we why don't we also just quickly that was beautifully put. We didn't get to jump into as many of the practicals, so why don't we throw Justin Whitmel Early's books out? Common Rule would be mm. one that people could look at in order to very practically figure out what are small steps I can start to take to live this life of resistance. Yes. You can pick up Brueggemann's book. It's a little more heady on Sabbath as resistance. Ruthless but Elimination of Hurry. That's great. So we'll just put some things in the show notes that that can be helpful. Again, I think the Whitmel Early Common Rule, and then he has one for the family, Practices for the Family, that are really helpful and easy to implement. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chelsea Conway with editing and support from the Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can message us on social media and check the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us and our guests. See you next time.